cooks make good farmers, in my estimation. Uh, hard workers, they're used to using their senses, which is important. And the actual movements in the work can be kind of similar. You know, you're in the sunshine, so kind of nice. I think that may be, make the jump a little bit easier, but I would say just try it out. I think that farmers are happy to talk to chefs and chefs are usually pretty happy to talk to farmers, you know. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Well, are you a farmer? I'm a farmer in a way. I've always said that I'm farming ideas and planting seeds, hopefully, and you someday harvest those ideas. I'm, I kind of look at the farming I do that we're getting ideas harvested from some of our listeners that think, oh, well, that's another way to look at this. This is useful. So that's how I see myself as a farmer. So I want to ask how other people see themselves as farmers. And I've got somebody that's a farmer today that's being referred to as a culinary farmer. And uh, I had to look up culinary again. We use it a lot, but it's, you know, it's, it says it's relating to the art of cookery and um, cookery. And I, thought I could have a whole podcast about cookery, too. But I want to welcome Brett Ellis. And, and Brett, you're referred to as a, as a culinary farmer. What's a culinary farmer? If, if, if I said, here's Brett, and Brett's a culinary farmer, and you had to say what that is, what is that? Well, I started as a as a chef. I started cooking and ended up finding myself at the French Laundry in the Napa Valley. And we have there we had a small three acre farm across from the restaurant, or we refer to it as a culinary garden. As a culinary gardener, we're growing food for chefs. And we're we're sort of involving the chefs in the process, kind of having a relationship with them. So we're taking notes from them and they're taking notes from us. Well, that's interesting. Now, the French laundry, some some of the people listening to this will remember they've if they haven't been to the French laundry, they've heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Here in California has got a little notorious a few years ago because mm-hmm. uh of COVID and our governor showed up and was shown in a party at the French laundry and he didn't have a mask on when he was telling everybody else to wear a mask. Were you still there when that happened? I was there. Yeah. I was probably there that day across the street. Um, yeah. You didn't take the picture. Did you? No, no. I was wondering who did. <laughs> it's funny because that's like a little window where you can snap that picture. And no, I was there. Um, it was, it was a tricky time. We, we kind of, you know, a lot of the crew, the farm crew was was laid off. A lot of people were not working, but we uh, kept it going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's an interesting little sidebar there. But the French Laundry, for, for many people in the, in, you know, it's it's famous. And, and I suppose yes. famous for a couple of reasons. One it is famous for wonderful food. And it's like, I don't know how many stars it has. Was it? two or three 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 michelin stars yep yeah three michelin stars and 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 it's also 
famous for being expensive. It's one of those things that for special occasions, people really save up for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing, again, back to what it's famous for, is it seems to be really, really particular about the ingredients. What's going to be used in in these meals that are coming together, and it's not the same thing twice necessarily, as I understand it. So let's put you into that, and then we'll kind of move to these other areas. But you said you've been a chef, too. So what were you first? Were you a chef first or a farmer first? I was curious about farming and also about cooking, but I I started, I got a job in a restaurant and I kind of followed that path for a while. Um, So I'd say, you know, uh, a cook first, and then I moved to New York and I was cooking in restaurants there and I started to see vegetables that, you know, I hadn't seen before. I'm from Michigan and... um, and I, I guess I was always kind of curious and interested in the vegetables that were coming coming through the doors. And um, it was it further inspired me to want to grow, you know, grow vegetables someday. So I sort of started after following that path for about 10 years or so, um, which I loved. I love I love cooking. Um, I love working on the line. Um I started to look at look at farms and it could I was interested in livestock as well but I just ended up finding this interesting opportunity growing vegetables so that's what I've been doing ever since You know from that perspective you say you grew up in Michigan Yes Did you grow up on a farm in Michigan No I grew up in the suburbs um uh-huh. You know it, it was farmland at, you know sure. a generation before so but um no, my mom had a big garden, but um, it, it was pretty much the suburbs, you know? Yeah. Now, my impression is that when you see things fresh from the, from the gardens or farms on the East Coast, they sometimes look different than the West Coast. Well, we'll see. I'm, I, I started my growing out on, on the West Coast, and um, I always kind of wanted to spend time in Northern California because it is like the Mediterranean and that's where all of my favorite food comes from. And I, you know, I knew about it and you can grow anything there. You have citrus. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it is different. There's a lot of sun. There's a, yeah. It's arid. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to grow here on the East coast and, and see how things come out. So you're saying you love the kitchen, so you're part of that whole cookery scene. Yeah. And and you you had different products to work with, and in most of these restaurants, certainly, uh, you know, the French Laundry, but a lot of these restaurants, they're they are getting something supplied regularly. Now, in some restaurants, they, they go call a restaurant supplier. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm quite strange this stage or not strange but to have a relationship with a specific farm or your own farm or your own garden that's that's pretty pretty different now you could have been working in the kitchen and been some sort of role as the chef or sous chef or something and gone into an office and start making your list out to you know to send to the the food service supplier 
and had them deliver boxes. Um, but instead, if you have to start thinking about what you can source from a farm or something, that's, that's a different kind of mindset. I mean, did you find when you were working on the line in, in, the, in the kitchen, you were, were you thinking ahead of that ever? Did it, did it, you know, that you might be um, able to be directly involved in, in growing the fruits and vegetables and uh, that you needed for the, for the kitchen? I, I don't think I didn't think I would be involved in natural growing. I was that's an interesting point that you bring up, though, about the calling at the end of the night and ordering mm -hmm. ingredients. And that's what you know, that happens in every restaurant, I think. And um, that's kind of a point that I'm interested in where it's like. It's very convenient for chef and for chefs to order things from these purveyors that have a supply all sorts of stuff right it takes a little bit of extra energy to have a relationship with a small farmer who may you know only deliver uh certain days of the week or um mm -hmm. you know have some things that aren't quite as smooth about the process. So I always think that, you know, as, as farmers, we need to have that in mind. Like we, that's what, as a small farmer, that's what you're up against is the convenience of, you know, boxed vegetables that come in very clean and um, every day. And, you know, it's very consistent and, um, you know, it, it, I think it takes a little bit of effort on both sides, on the chef side and the and the farmer side. But so, so again, typically, like the end of a of a day, like you said, a chef could go in. You can make a phone call, or probably you're probably doing a lot of it online right now, and you could have probably, it. Yeah, you know, it's like dealing with Amazon. I mean, you can get it like the next morning, practically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where if you're dealing with something that you've got a relationship with the garden or the farm you're kind of at the mercy of nature um, yep. and plus plus you got to be thinking ahead and working ahead with them because in some cases it goes back to even seeds that they're planting literally uh because you're saying gee i'd kind of like to be able to have this or that product well that requires a whole level of communications that's a little bit more complex a little more spread out than like you say picking up the phone and having the purveyors have something drop the next morning yeah it is. It is. I think that, and you know, not every chef is um, making a restaurant that's inspired by the produce necessarily. Some are inspired by nostalgia or, you know, a certain cuisine and that may be, and that's great too. I, I, I love that part of our food culture, but um, for those that are you know, doing cuisine that is celebrating um, seasonal ingredients. Um, it does, it does that effort to have those relationships with, with the small farmers, um, I think is very much a part of the job, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, I, it, it, it's, it's intriguing, isn't it? I mean, um, it's one of those things I think I should have a, several more podcasts just about this level of communications 
these conversations yeah. have to take place because you both want to give them ideas of things they could grow for you. You might use into the future, but then sometimes they're just going to walk in and say, you know what? I wish you could find a way to work with this particular product because taste it, it'll knock your socks off. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know it was going to be so good. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you're one of these restaurants that actually are preparing um, menus every week, if not every day, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually, you know, kind of longhand or print it out and so forth. And here's the menu for the day. And it's different from yesterday in some way, because you just found out that you've got this product that's going to be fantastic that you didn't know was going to be available to you. Yeah, absolutely. You really got to be on your toes. Well, speaking of being on your toes, you're on the toes out in the garden and a farm. Explain, explain what you're doing today. So um, I'm at Husky Meadows Farm. We're in uh, Norfolk, Connecticut. So we're in the northwest corner of Connecticut. Um, this is an old cattle, you know, an old dairy farm um, that the current owners bought in the early '90s, and it, it, it started as I believe just their private place. Um, and then over the last seven, eight years, they've started to develop this project um, that I'm a part of now that we have a about two acres in certified organic uh, vegetable production. We do a CSA. Um, so this year we'll just have We'll have a CSA, but it'll just be a market right here at the garden where the folks can come and just do like a farm stand. Um, And then we have another component to it, which is called Seed and Spoon. And this is sort of, well, it's run by Tracy Hayhurst, who's our culinary director. And she's actually a farmer turned chef. Um, So she ran a you know, a vegetable farm here in one town over for about 10 years, I think with her, with her husband and they did a CSA and, um, you know, had a successful farm for a while. And then she, she ended up getting into cooking and this is sort of her brainchild here where we have dinners, we have, um, sort of immersive events. So we have programming where, folks can come and stay at the farm. We actually have these, some beautiful rooms, um, come stay at the farm and do different programs where they'll come out to the farm with me one day. Um, you know, one could be centered around mindfulness, one around uh, music, art. Um, but we, you know, this programming is kind of, well, starting to unfold now in the beginning of the summer. So. Oh, that's exciting. Um, so they come yeah. to the farm. Now, can they can they check in? Can they uh, be out there for for several days, or or is it just for like one yeah. afternoon? Or yeah, no, they can they, they can stay. Um, so I think we have three kind of extended stays, which are up to five days. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, we, you know, we have rooms available so people can come spend the night or, or we also do like dinners um, where it has just come out for the, for the, the event and 
you know, take off. But um, so, yeah. Oh, that's right. Now, are these freestanding rooms or are they in the barn or are they in a, a large house or? Yeah, well, one is actually the original chicken coop um, for the Curtis Farm, which this that was the name of this place. Um, <laughs> you get to come out there and stay in the chicken coop. Yeah, yeah but it's <laughs> but it's really stunning inside. Like the um, the design of, of the rooms is really nice. I actually lived in one of them for a month when I moved out here. But um, there's one, the chicken coop. There's one like above a garage. There's an apartment. And there's a couple more in this building where I am right now, where we have also our kitchen and, you know, yeah. So they're kind of scattered about. So people can sign in for that kind of an experience. I mean, what do you suppose their goals typically are? Are they trying to to learn more about farming or cookery, or are they just trying to kind of get away and kind of get themselves more, more centered and, um, you know, what, what are, seems to be the motivations that people look for when they, they say, okay, I'm in on that. I'm going to go spend a couple of days, you know, in, in, in this environment. Yeah, I think it's, um, wanting to connect with where the food comes from a little bit more, or, mm -hmm. you know, Tracy does cooking classes too. So it's, it's, um, culinary interested folks or, or yeah, people just, you know, it, it is a beautiful place to just get away and relax. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're two hours and 20 minutes from New York City. So um, it's kind of a mix. But I think it is it is this um, kind of idea of, you know, we're not a restaurant, but we are cooking, you know, wonderful meals. And um, you get to see see us growing it and kind of, you know. Did anybody get to help work on it? I mean, did, course, did they come yeah. on? They do? So yeah, I mean, you, just... I, you know, this is my first season, but um, I'm not going to have people, you know, weed for <laughs> weed for hours, but they can definitely come out and harvest. Um, uh -huh. and, and, and pretty much, you know, up to, up to them. Um, but we also have, you know, trails. We're surrounded by forest here, so Mm -hmm. trails we have a beautiful um meadow here that's like natives which i haven't seen bloom yet but it's a it's a big native meadow we have apiaries and so it's kind of a pick your own adventure but if you if you want to be at the garden and uh do, do a little bit of work then uh, we're good with that so what do what do you grow what's going on there um just kind of a diverse array of vegetables so pretty much well i should start we have an old we have an orchard here um with a couple trees that are <clears throat> close to 100 years old that are I, I don't know how they're producing now but they are interesting old trees um and we've got some some more young apple trees and and peaches and things um and then in the in the garden where i am we have you know, from greens to garlic and onions to berries and um, all sorts of stuff, you know, cauliflower, broccoli, tomatoes, peppers, anything yeah. you can really think yeah. of. So now you are chef turned farmer and you're working with a farmer turned chef. Mm -hmm. 
how much communication so you have about like you know future menus or what you want to be preparing in 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 the future so that you're you're getting your your gardens lined up for that sort of thing yeah i think um there's a there's a bit of that um you know i'm i'm it's great growing for tracy because we do have sometimes i'll consult with her about a a recipe or she'll consult with me about my timing of my of my seeds out there you know so that's nice and she kind of as a farmer kind of knows what to expect um Mm -hmm. with the seasonality um and then there's you know some variation with my choices of, of what i'm actually choosing to grow um planning wise we're starting to do that now where we're you know um she'll look at my my kind of crop plan and uh divisor menu off of that yeah it's a great place where you are to be able to grow when it's in the growing season but part of the difference between there and california is that you it does get cold mm-hmm. so you know you could have snow and so forth so it's a somewhat limited season have you explored creating some some hoops or some other ways to be able to extend your growing season into the colder times that you aren't traditional seasons for growing in the northeast yeah we've got a couple hoop houses here um that are nice one of them has a little uh section that we we have a propane heater hooked up um that i used for kind of my germination room um, we've got some heat mats and, um, you know, it's, it was 80, uh, a couple of days ago, but now it's dropping back down and we had some, uh, flurries today. So I'm, I'm well aware that, uh, you know, there are some risks with going too early and trying to, but yeah, we do extend the season you know, yeah. as, as much as we can, just, just with those two hoop houses. And we have, um, I've got stuff planted in there now. I've got mm-hmm. greens and, and um, kind of a bunch of stuff in there right now. Yeah. Have and we'll do con- some earlier tomatoes. Right. Have you considered uh, adding livestock? Yeah, we've considered it. Yeah. I, we do have, we are getting, um, we have chickens um do they uh do they uh resist the idea that humans are living in coops there <laughs> well i'll tell you this their coop is beautiful and uh it'll be a place that somebody can stay someday <laughs> yeah yeah I, I want it as my <laughs> my office i think but um it's a beautiful coop and you know they're actually we're getting new birds this year so they're not here yet and they don't know that there's yeah, they humans living in coops uh, yeah. that they're going to be sharing. Uh, beyond chickens, you know, goats or lambs or cattle or anything, maybe? I, I would love to. Um, and I think that everybody here is open to it. Um, and we have some good friends in the area that do, you know, some great animal farming. And um, maybe we'll collaborate with with them. Maybe we'll start a project here in the future we have a there is a guy that has some um, some cattle here now mm-hmm. um, and you know we do have some 
some nice fields. So, yeah. So I wonder, what do you think about the future of ventures like this? Because, you know, if we'd gone back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or so, you wouldn't hear much of this. There are people that are kind of venturing into this area, uh, the mm-hmm. spaces that you're working, not only the coordination between the restaurants and the, and the, and the farms, more and more interest in that, but almost it's, it's almost speaking to people in a, in another sense, rather than just a, a delicious meal experience. Like you say, you got some people coming out to the farm and can stay on the farm and, and so forth and experience and get out for hikes and, and everything else. And if you sum it up where you are right now and you kind of look ahead, how do you feel about the next five or 10 years of this, of this sort of venture? Do you see it changing in any way, uh, stabilizing, improving, or in, anything that gives you a hunch about where this is going? I think it could improve. I think it's going to improve a bit in the next, I'd say, five, 10 years. I don't think that the interest in this sort of thing is going away. You know, we're all kind of collectively searching for healthy food and kind of a connection to it because we are, you know, just as a society kind of disconnected um, from it. Um, But I think a place like this, you know, I'm grateful for, and even the, the French Laundry, you know, it's a renowned restaurant and all that stuff. But I think that it, a big part of it is it's it's kind of there for the people that work there. And it's almost like a school. And a lot of people come through there and learn a lot and take that and try to do more with it at a different place. And um, I think a place even like this, it's... Um, it's affording me the opportunity to continue farming and, 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 you know, every year I get a little bit better. Um, I'm interested and, and exploring things. I'm interested in like guests that you have on your show, Um, you know, different people within this community of, of, market gardens or, you know, regenerative agriculture. Um, and so this gives me a place or people like me to continue our craft and then hopefully share that with guests. I don't know exactly how that the guest model or the restaurant model or CSA, I don't know exactly how it mm-hmm. unfolds, but, um, I think it's an important, you know, space. I, I you know, it's just evolving. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's exciting to me to see it evolve because it's, mm-hmm. it's changing. It's kind of percolating. It's inventing itself and, and so forth. Now, if you were going to give counsel mm-hmm. to somebody who is perhaps involved in the kitchens yeah. You want to be a farmer or maybe you're somebody that's farming that want to learn to be in the cookery. Is there any, any suggestions that you can offer to people that it made aspire from going from farm to kitchen or kitchen to farm, uh, or establishing some of these programs? Um, do you have any advice for people that have that sure. appetite and they're curious? Sure. And I know that there are people that have that, um, curiosity. I think that they cross over really well, more more than you would know. Um, I think that cooks, 
um, make good farmers. Um, in my estimation, uh, they're hard workers. They're used to um, using their senses, which is important. And and the actual movements in the work can be kind of similar. Mm. Um, and then you know you're in the sunshine, so mm-hmm. you're not under those fluorescent lights, and it's it's kind of nice. Um, I think that may be make the jump a little bit easier, but I would say, just try it out. Just, just, you know, when I was, um, cooking in, in New York, there was this one farmer that was bringing us produce and I I became really, uh, a fan of his produce. And I ended up contacting him and just going to visit him one day in uh, Pennsylvania. And that was my first, real experience seeing a farm and I, I and i saw him and as a small kind of similar to what i do now it's like not a lot of machinery he, he was running around doing stuff and um i thought i was just kind of like cooking like they're kind of they're kind of similar um yeah. but i think that you know explore it try it out i think that farmers are happy to talk to chefs and chefs are usually pretty happy to talk to farmers you know um you wherever you are in the journey though brett the thing that's that's staying with me today in this conversation is that it is there's a communications to this of a respect and interaction and as these things i can see as you describe it i can see individual growth i can see people participating that it helps them grow get another perspective on on life perhaps um seeing what's happening helping with what's happening whether in the kitchen or whether where they're in the farm where it does break down a little bit are those people that insist on saying well how is this feeding the world and right i don't know you know i mean right. obviously big commodity agriculture is important and yeah and and yet um this is important too even though it's it's hard to say that this is going to be filling ships with product. You're going to, you know, export to another continent. Yeah. But it's, but it's important and it helps. And people, if people want to experience what you're doing and know more about your program, how do they get in contact with you? Well, speaking of title, my email currently is farmer Brett. Okay. Huskymeadowsfarm.com. And then we have, the website is Husky Meadows Farm, mm-hmm. and you know you could you could reach me there. Okay, I I think it's really interesting what you're doing, and and I appreciate your taking the time to visit with us on Farm to Table Talk. Roger, thank you so much, and thank you for your show. I appreciate these conversations, and you know, hearing from all the your great guests. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 